How's everybody doing? <laughs> okay, um, this is something uh, I've, I've never taught specifically on this before. Uh, I've been praying about it a lot. I've been thinking about it a lot. Initially, because I had watched a um, documentary that really kind of stirred me up a lot. I thought about that a lot, prayed about it, talked about Josh. I didn't want someone else besides me talking to my church about the Holy Spirit. So um, I felt convicted about that. And so, so here we are. Uh, before Josh, he's going to explain um, why we have this question thing up here. And um, he'll kind of explain to you a little bit about that. And then I'm going to tell you a little personal story about me. And I'm going to kind of out Josh a little bit here in a second too. You probably didn't know that, but go ahead and tell them about the stories. Hey, so um, this number on the screen is a Google Voice number set up specifically for this night. And here's what we're gonna do. At the end of the night, we're gonna take however long we have left from the night for questions and answer, okay? And in a room this size, we wanna be able to, to field as many questions as we can and be able to sift through which ones would be appropriate as well. Um, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to be up here on this stool, and um, I'm going to be sipping from this delicious Crystal Geyser <laughs> spring water, and I'll be fielding through these questions, so I'm not just scrolling through my Facebook news feed. As you're texting these questions, I will be screening through these questions, and then near the end of the night, we'll tackle some of these questions. But um, on the screen uh, now, 615-398-2751, if you text throughout the lesson, I'll get it, and then towards the end of the night, when we do the question and answer session, then we'll... Uh, move through that as well. All right. Okay, so here's, here's how this is gonna go, I hope. Um, there's a couple of video clips in here. The longest one, I think, is only about six minutes, and uh, I'll open up with that here in a second. Here's my goal for the night. Um, I want to, and, and listen, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna answer every single question you're gonna have about the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I'm just not that smart of a man. Uh, I'm gonna do my best, though. And what we're gonna focus on is the biblical gifts of the Spirit, the offices, the, the operation of the, of the gifts of the Spirit and, and the, what the Holy Spirit does. We're gonna look at the abuse or the excess or how people take these things out of context. We're gonna talk about those things and then we're gonna hopefully pull it back in kind of a positive level and, and um, encourage you guys to kind of pray about this and research this and study it on your own and kind of see what the Lord wants to do. Uh, before I get into this, and I'm going to do something, guys, that I have never done. Uh, we have about, I don't know, 2,200 to 2,500 people that come to this church a week, and I have never gotten in front of the entire church and said this, and I know this is just a, a, a part of the church, um, but I, I think all of you know me well enough. I think you know my character. I think you know um, enough about Josh and I to, to trust us at least on some level. And I'm gonna tell you this before I get into this, and I'm not ashamed of this, I'm not embarrassed about this, but I'm uncomfortable because I don't want anyone to um, judge me on this uh, before they know me. Um, the day I received Christ, it was a Wednesday, August of 2002, a month before my 23rd birthday. The moment I accepted Christ into my heart, I spoke in tongues. Um, I spoke in tongues as I laid on the floor uh, there wasn't an interpreter in the room. There wasn't any of these things that people kind of misalign with the word of God. Uh, I laid on the floor and I prayed in a language that I didn't know. Didn't even know what that was. And once I kind of came to my senses, not that I was out of my mind or anything, but when I kind of settled down, I sat down on my then pastor's uh, couch and he explained to me 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14. And he explained to me the gospel. And uh, I've never said that in front of our entire church. 
but this is something I do on a pretty regular basis. If you're standing really, really close to me during worship, you may hear that sometimes. And that's not because I'm trying to telegraph it or brag that I'm a better Christian than anyone. In fact, Paul said that's the least of the gifts. Um, so God has so graciously given me the least of the gifts. And so, <laughs> uh, um, here's where I'm gonna out Josh. Uh, Josh does it too. So uh, um, he also uh, prays in the spirit like I do. And, and um, there are very few times that I will put myself in a position where people will hear that because I'm very uh, conscious and self-conscious about how I, I, I talk about that and share that with people. But I just wanted to get that out. So I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, the operation of the Spirit. I believe in the Bible so strongly. I don't worship the Bible, but I worship the one that authored the Bible and I believe it to be true. And so my hope tonight is that we can look at truth and that we can dig our heels in and we can just really examine the truth. You're gonna see some wacky stuff tonight too, guys, okay? Uh, the first video I show is wacky. And try to be, um, just try to be, don't laugh too hard so your person next to you can't pick up on it. But um, here we go. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna go, okay? Um, Lord Jesus, God, Father, my prayer tonight, Lord, is that we examine the truth that we pursue the truth. <sighs> Jesus, I believe you're doing something to our church right now. Um, I don't believe it's gonna be chaotic. I don't believe it's gonna be wacky. I don't believe it's gonna be anything non-biblical, Lord. But I believe, Jesus, that, that maybe you're taking some of us, and maybe that's the people in this room, God. Uh, maybe we are to start moving to um, deeper waters. Maybe we're to explore different territory. Maybe we're to get out of our comfort zone, Father. And, and Jesus, we're willing to do all that as long as we're moving towards the truth. As long as we're moving towards the truth. So Jesus, let us pursue truth tonight. We love you, we thank you, we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen. Brandon Barthrop, the meth head who speaks to God, the hipster preacher with a congregation of thousands. You better feel it. When I first found him online, I didn't know if he was a joke or our savior. It looked like he was high all the time. But why was he smoking invisible spliffs? Why was he doing fake lines and jacking up with imaginary needles? And why were so many people watching him do it? <laughs> We're just latching on to Jesus. And... Getting wasted on God isn't a new thing. But Brandon is part of a fresh generation of godly drunks, which have been growing since an event in 1994 known as the Toronto Blessing, when a whole load of pious Canadians suddenly appeared to be smashed while soberly attending church. The Florida outpouring, a similar event in 2008, signaled a new form of worship as churches began to embrace modern media. For the first time ever, the internet became the number one place to get your Christianity in America. God TV blew up and other churches began to appear on platforms like YouTube. It was this ability to reach new, large, and enthusiastic audiences that inspired Brandon to create his own media ministry. There is a media revival thing going on right now, and I've met people personally that said to me, I've just laid my hands on the computer screen or the television screen, and I felt God move through, I felt tremors in my body, I just, and God healed me of this or that or whatever. And all I can say is, amen, hallelujah. I mean, God is doing what he wants to do. 
So he got on a plane and flew to Minneapolis to try and get drunk on the glory of God. So I'm here in Minneapolis, which is kind of God town. There's churches at every single corner. But somewhere in the middle of all of this snowy mess is Brandon and the Crack House, which is a ministry of the Drunken Glory movement. I'm going to be meeting his friends and his followers to see exactly what they're about, and also talk to the rest of the people around here to see what they make of Drunken Glory. Oh my God. Hi, I'm Billy. <laughs> Hi, Brandon. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Welcome Thanks. to the crack house. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Why is it so fragrant in here? I'm um, burning frankincense. I do a lot of stuff with uh, essential oils just for like fun, and we snuff, we like snort them and huff them and get all jacked up on them. Does that make you high? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to try it? This stuff's so pure that you can be orally ingested and, and huffed up the nose. And just pour a little on there. Okay. And just bring it right into your brains and get high on frankincense. So that that's allowed, right? I guess it's oh, godly. Oh, it's totally legal. Okay, yeah, I mean cool. Jesus and you know, when I was a baby, he started huffing frankincense right right in the crib. It's evidence he was high from birth. That was cool. What an oily face now. <laughs> it's quite um. Yeah, potent. <laughs> But I'm down. Cool. I got some other stuff that maybe uh, we can get high on later that's totally like a healthy Holy Ghost body high that's called diamond oil. Okay. And I invented it and owned the patents on it. What drug would you compare that to then? Probably like a clean and pure methamphetamine, actually. Get the diamond oil out. <laughs> this used to be the main crack house of this whole area because this is actually the worst area of Minnesota with um, 36 organized gangs and stuff, so they'd sling crack out of here. It was all boarded up. There was nine millimeter cartridges over the doors, just all kinds of crazy stuff because it's a crack house. So when the person bought it and gave it to us, they bought it for $20,000, like nothing, because nobody wanted to live here. The Lord was saying, the, the devil had his crack house. Now I'm going to have my crack house, and they're going to get high in my crack. Our uh, goal is to trance out the entire planet on the drunken glory and, and really let them physically experience that there's no high like the most high. And there doesn't have, you don't have to like spend all your money to get high. It's a free substance that's yeah. closer than the air you breathe and basically just help people find the perfect drug. The point of the drunkenness is experiencing God. And I would say drunkenness is a form of intimacy with God. Religion is the most evil substance on the face of the earth. Christianity in its purest form is pure pleasure, pure spirituality that benefits everyone around you continuously by positive energy. Uh, 2,000 years ago, they were experiencing ecstasy in the Holy Spirit, and it's been just a common occurrence throughout the entire church history, and so... Okay. Um, so it's funny until you find out that that guy has as many people following him as I have following me here at this church, right? Thousands. Thousands of people. That video has a million views. Um, that one right there, it's a 30-minute long documentary on him and a guy named John Crowder that is 
nuttier than that guy is. I, I, I'm gonna have to pull back on the sarcasm tonight. Um, the reason why I showed you that is that is an extreme, very loosely theologically based uh, extreme of what people think of the Holy Spirit. Um, and there's things that are manipulative and there's uh, a lot of things that are just really, really bad theology. The last thing he says in that clip, that Christianity is all about pure pleasure. Uh, I think Jesus told me I'm gonna have to carry a cross, but he says it's all about pure pleasure. And so there's this ideology, there's this, this thinking that when we come into a relationship with Jesus, it is, like he says, ecstasy. Um, now, again, most of you in this room would look at that and say, that's not solid teaching. That is not biblical solid teaching. But the only way we can identify a fake or a counterfeit is we must know what the real thing is. And something you'll see in a lot of these very hyper charismatic movements is they don't talk about the Bible a whole lot. In fact, um, and, and guys, tonight, if I mention any names, uh, some of them may offend you, but, but I'm not trying to slander anyone. I'm, I'm, I want to... Ad- I want to attack bad theology, not people who hold bad theology, if that makes any sense. But in a lot of very mainstream churches, they call people who read the Bible too much, uh, I think they call them Bible idolaters, people that worship the Bible because they don't want people to pursue the word of God because if we pursue the word of God, we will see through a lot of these individuals, okay? So when we talk about the operation, the gifts, the works of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned in the New Testament. There's three different books of the Bible, Romans, Ephesians, and Corinthians. Paul wrote all three of them, three different letters to three different churches that really focus on the Holy Spirit. Now, again, this is a crash course, and I'm gonna go through it kind of quickly. And uh, if anyone uh, um, has a hard time keeping up with this, maybe I'll make notes for this, and I'll make sure that these are available for all you guys. But let me go through. If you read Romans 12, Romans 12 talks about the different giftings, of the Holy Spirit, and these are the ones just in Romans 12, okay? First one is what's called exhortation, and what that simply means is that's God giving one the ability uh, to be strengthened and to also strengthen others and encourage people. Pretty simple stuff. That God has given you uh, kind of a, a special gift to go and to lift people up, to encourage people by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people are given the gift of giving, which means they have a heart to support, whether that be with their energy, their time, uh, uh, their money, whatever the case may be, to support and sacrifice for for the church body, for missions, for people planting churches, whatever the case may be, they have a gift of giving. Um, There's a gift of leadership. So people who are not, maybe not even natural leaders, but maybe Moses would be the best example of this, was given a gift of leadership. Though it wasn't a natural ability, God gave him a supernatural ability to be a strong leader. The gift of mercy, which just means they have compassion and care for others. The gift of prophecy. Now, we're going to talk about that one a little bit, okay? All three books that we're going to talk about tonight mention prophecy. Um, Prophecy in the New Testament is not like the prophets of the Old Testament. This is simply making God's heart known, revealing more about the Word, revealing truth, revealing God's heart, okay? Um, There's service, which means filling the gaps, people who work hard, hard workers, Uh, teachers, The guy that I think of the most of this is like Rabbi Zacharias, if you've ever heard of him, just a strong apologist uh, for the faith that he's given an intellectual, he's an intellectual protector of the word, okay? So that's Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, this is where we get into the ones that really kind of get messed up, right? By messed up, if you go into your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians 12, the first thing it says, depending on your translation, says, brothers, 
I don't want you to be confused or ignorant or unaware, depending on the translation, about the spiritual gifts. That's how 1 Corinthians 12 opens up. The reason why Paul wrote that is there was obviously confusion about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So he lists the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, and then he takes three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, and clarifies the operation of those gifts, okay? The first one, the one that I think we all need to be praying for is the gift of discernment. This is the gift that God gives us so we can distinguish whether uh, a person, a place, a message, an event, if that's godly. That has probably worked in your life sometimes and you didn't even know it. Those of you who walk into an environment and you're like, something's not right here. Or you talk to a person and you say, there's something off here. I don't need to be here. I don't need to be with them. I don't need to be in this place or this event, okay? Another one is courageous faith, which means not just a faith like, man, I believe God's good or I believe God can do anything. This is an extreme faith, an extreme trust and the ability to get others to get behind God in an extreme way, to instill that into other people. Um, There's healings. Now again, any of you who are old enough to remember all the televangelists of the 80s and the 90s when lay hands and people fall out and they throw their crutches and we never hear the follow-up stories of that, right? But there's all this stuff that happened on TV and so a lot of us have a skewed view of healing. We're scared to pray for healing. Um, I've seen many people miraculously healed over my time as a Christian in the last 13 years or so. Uh, We've seen people healed of broken bones. We've seen people healed of cancer. We've seen all kinds of healing go on. Um, But that is to pray for someone and they receive miraculous healing. There's the gift of wisdom, another one that I believe we all need to be praying for, which is to have the ability to make godly decisions and to give godly advice. That's a gift that God gives us. That's a gift I've been praying for ever since I became a pastor, the gift of wisdom. Give me the gift of wisdom. There's the gift of knowledge, which is a gifting to have an in-depth understanding of spiritual issues in the word of God to, to, to where things jump out at you in the word of God and in spiritual settings that maybe aren't as clear for other people, this gift of knowledge. There's the gift of miracles. Again, this is one that we're gonna talk about here in a second. Um, these are miraculous signs and wonders and the purpose of these are to confirm God's word and to confirm the gospel. Remember that. We're gonna talk about signs and wonders and all the times in the Bible that it mentions signs and wonders, those things happen to confirm and affirm the word of God and the character of God. There was a purpose to those things. Prophecy, to proclaim the message of God. Again, this is different from the Old Testament prophets. This is, this is, this is the New Testament to proclaim the heart of God. Now here's another one that people get, you get pretty freaked out about speaking in tongues. And again, if you remember from the 80s, I can't remember his name, Tipton or the guy that would remember, you'd put your, Tilton, put your hand on the screen, right? And he would go, shabababababab, that's not speaking in tongues. But he would put his hands on the screen and apparently if you went to your old zenith and put your hands on the screen, like you're gonna get it too, right? So speaking in tongues. Now listen, if you go into 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, there are three different kinds of speaking in tongues mentioned in those three chapters. One is the prayer language, which is what most people receive in this day and age, that kind of intimate between you and God, prayer language of speaking in tongues. There's the Acts chapter two speaking in tongues, which was if Josh and I were in the upper room, or let's say he was one of the you know, people that didn't know Jesus yet, it makes sense, right? One of the people that didn't know Jesus. I was in the upper room. Um, I received the gift to speak Josh's language without learning it. Uh, 
can I out you again when you did the trip to, was it Colombia or El Salvador? Josh didn't know Spanish very well and prayed for God to help him to learn Spanish, and he learned it almost overnight. Now, I'm not trying to boast on him or brag on him, and you don't tell a whole lot of people that. I don't, and, and I want to clarify with that, too. Um, that's something that we were preaching the gospel that week, and there was evangelism that week, so we talk about God doing miracles for the purpose of God. Like, the Holy Spirit is given for the purposes of God, not to show us off, but to show God off. And so I had learned Spanish when I was in high school and college, not really used it. I didn't, I mean, the first day, you can ask my wife, we were on the bus and I hardly knew how to carry a conversation. I remember that night we were praying, asking the Holy Spirit, and the next day I just started, just, I mean, all these things kind of rushed back. And um, I think that's a confirmation. That is a biblical purpose for that gift. That's why I believe that gift is still in operation for today. And the purpose for that gift in that regard in Acts chapter two was to spread the gospel. It wasn't just a trick. It wasn't something fancy. So God's like, look how cool I am. It was to propagate, to spread the gospel. So that's kind of the second way of speaking in tongues. And then the third way is if we were in a congregation like this, this is chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. If we were in a congregation like this, someone stood up, the room kind of got quiet. They spoke in tongues in front of the entire crowd. Someone else would have to give the gift of interpreting those tongues, the next one, who would also stand up and say, I believe the Lord is saying this to us right now and they would interpret that tongues. So when people misinterpret this, uh, what I mean is, if you're close to me in a worship service and I got my head down like this and you hear me speaking in tongues, and you're just, oh, you don't have an interpreter for that, it's different. Chapter 13 and chapter 14 are talking about kind of two different uses of the gift of speaking in tongues, okay? So these are the ones that really kind of get whacked out, not whacked out because God's whacked out, but people abuse these, misunderstand these. These are the ones that are really kind of taken out of context, okay? The next part of the New Testament that talks about different gifts of the Spirit are more offices, right? Is that the way to say it? Like the office of the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, the prophet, and the teacher. Now, when you study who an apostle is, an apostle would be like a missionary, a church planter, different than the apostles of uh, Jesus's apostles, the ones that wrote the New Testament. We as apostles nowadays do not have the authority to add to the Bible. No one does. That function of the apostle has been closed. That's done. The Bible is written. It's perfect. It's over with, that part of it. Modern day apostles are church planters and missionaries, okay? Evangelism are people who have a gifting to reach the lost, uh, and some of us may operate in several of these, but these are people who have the gifting to go to speak to non-believers and they speak to them in a very encouraging and clear way and they can help people come into a saving faith of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's the pastor, um, which is someone that shepherds a group of believers. That's not someone who travels, and we've kind of distorted what a pastor really is. Uh, a pastor is someone just like this word pastor comes from pasture, which means to shepherd. This is the one that protects his flock I kind of hate using that terminology because it almost sounds derogatory, but it's a biblical terminology where we protect our flock, we teach our flock to follow us where we're going. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ because he was their shepherd. And so that's what that is. The prophet, like I said earlier, is different from the Old Testament prophet. It's not the guy that stands up in front of the king and says, locusts are coming, right? It's not the same as a prophet nowadays. Um, nowadays, this is someone who makes God's heart known. What that can be, pick on Josh again. Let's say he and I are in a worship service and God reveals to me that Josh is living in some kind of secret sin. God reveals that to me and as a prophet of God, 
using the gift of prophecy, I should say it that way, not as a prophet, but using the gift of prophecy, I go to Josh and say, hey man, is this going on in your life? Oh my gosh, that is. God has used the gift of prophecy through me to, to reach him. Um, it edifies, prophets speak truth, they bring light to the word, they reveal the word of God. This is what prophecy is uh, in New Testament usage. Can, I, it, can I just add to that for just a second? Please. Um, the office of the prophet in the Old Testament, if you really study that and compare and contrast to how well, you see prophecy exercised in the New Testament, there are drastic differences in that. Yes. Um, so that's something very, very important to know when someone claims that, to claims to be a prophet, um, a lot of times they're using the language of the Old Testament, but they're claiming it as a New Testament gift. And I, I really think we've gotta go back and study the scriptures and kind of know the difference. Um, because in the Old Testament, if you said you're a prophet and you said, hey, this is gonna happen, it didn't happen, you got stoned. And not like the good kind, like the bad kind of getting stoned, <laughs> not the kind we saw earlier, so. Just for clarification, it's all bad, right? Any kind of stone. Um, <laughs> See, we just Strike received three, prophecy please. that Josh needs to pray about that. So um, <laughs> here, here's the thing, guys, and I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to demonize people. If anyone ever tells you they're a prophet or if anyone says, thus saith the Lord through me, like it, it's probably good to like really examine that, right? To like kind of take a step back and you know what the Bible, you know how the Bible says if you test if a prophecy is true or not? If it comes true. <laughs> That's what it says. If it's tested and if it comes true. So if you go back to 2007, 2008, and I'm not trying to pick on this movement, the movement that happened in Lakeland, Florida, the movement that happened in Toronto, you know, 10 years before that, there was a lot of prophecies made that never came true. And so that confirms that those individuals were not the prophets that they claimed to be, okay? Enough time has passed and they didn't prove to be um, accurate, okay? So, the gifts of the Spirit, and if you're in here, you can attest to this. Guys, I was saved, both of us were saved in charismatic movements, and the gifts of the Spirit make people uncomfortable because they make us vulnerable and they make us dependent on God, not us. And quite, we're just gonna talk real, right? Sometimes it's just really uncomfortable. Sometimes it is weird. Sometimes it is strange. Man, the first time I personally spoke in tongues, I was jolted by that, let alone if I heard someone else do it. It was weird. And so we're, we're scared of these things because we don't fully understand these things. And it's hard to be vulnerable and it's hard to be dependent on God. But here's maybe the thesis of tonight. The operation, the gifts, the pursuing the Holy Spirit is so vital because it brings intimacy, clarity, and power to the Christian and all the gifts of the Spirit ultimately glorify God. If anything is ever done in the name of Christianity that doesn't ultimately put all the glory on God, it's not of God. So all of these gifts of the Spirit, these operations, these offices, all of these things edify the church and glorify God, okay? That's what they do. Now, we're gonna shift gears, okay? And here's where we're gonna get into to, to controversial weird waters, okay? And um, I, had a, I had a man sit in my office this week and tell me about his daughter at a prayer gathering received a, a solid gold tooth, okay? God did that. Now, here's where I'm gonna have to, 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 and Josh will stop me or throw a mic at me or something. Here's where I gotta pull back my sarcasm because I can get really amped up about this kind of stuff, Okay? in the hyper-charismatic movements. That video that I showed, there's a guy, some of you might know who he is, his name's Todd Bentley. He's tattooed up, not that it matters because Drake's gonna be there soon. He's tattooed up from his throat down, right? <laughs> but in the video, you see, 
He's out of town, guys. We can make fun of him. Um, He's tattooed up from his throat down. He's kind of a heavy set guy. Todd Bentley kind of led this whole movement in Lakeland, Florida. He had over 400,000 people listen to him preach on God TV and in Lakeland, Florida. Now, if you know anything about this guy, and I'm not trying to demonize him, but if you come to church here, man, like I'm, I'm supposed to protect you to the best of my abilities. Todd Bentley would get on stage. He would, I'm not even joking. He would punch people in the face because God told him to punch women in the face, to cast demons out and to heal them, right? I'm gonna break your nose and heal you, right? So he would literally punch women. He would call down angels. He would roll around on the floor and bark and act drunk like crazy. And he would do all these kind of crazy signs and wonders and all these things. Uh, Come to find out he was literally drunk most of the time and was having an affair on his wife. So 400,000 people cycled through. People would sell their homes, their cars, all their possessions to get to Lakeland, Florida so they could be in the presence of Todd Bentley just to find out he was a drunk and an adulterer because it's a perverse generation that runs after a sign. I'll get to that here in a second. I'm jumping ahead of myself. But in the charismatic, hyper-charismatic movement, if you study it and go down the rabbit hole, which I don't suggest you do, you're gonna see these things come up. Miraculous gold teeth, gold dust that appears in the room. Sometimes they claim it comes up from the floor. Sometimes it hovers around the air conditioning unit. Um, But there's gold dust that comes out. Um, I'm, okay, let me, I'm going to step back from the sarcasm again. There's, there's instant weight loss. I'm trying to find the church that does this, right? Uh, <laughs> there's, um, and, and I'm not even joking. None of this is a joke. There's churches that claim that people walk in 200 pounds and leave 125 pounds. Um, instant weight loss. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna, guys, we're going to make it through this presentation. Uh, they claim that feathers fall from the ceiling or feathers will appear in their Bibles or in their homes. Feathers, lots of feathers from God's wings or from angels' wings. They get that from Psalm 91, which is a gross misinterpretation. Uh, it says in Psalm 91 that God will cover us with his wings. That's called a metaphor, if you know anything about uh, uh, literature. Um, just like when Jesus said he's a vine, he's not a plant. Um, when he said he's the door, he's not a door. So in Psalm 91, when it says, cover you with your wings, it was, it was like, it was alluding to how a bird covers up its baby, it protects it. That's what it's talking about. But they say that it's a literal thing. Uh, Bill Johnson says that in a video. He's from Bethel uh, in Redding, California. He says it's a literal thing that God covers us literally with his wings. Um, gemstones and diamonds appear. And gemstones and diamonds that I've never heard of, like honey stones or these different things, diamonds that appear in people's hands, big rubies, I mean, that are huge, appear in people's pockets and hands, and that, that happens in services. Uh, wolf spirits, this is not a joke. A woman named Patricia King talks about how when she's praying with her prayer partners, that there is a wolf spirit that comes on to them, and she even says one time that a guy's hair started to form like he was turning into a dog, and they have these wolf spirits, they get on all fours, they bark, they yell, they howl with these wolf spirits, Um, There's angelic visitations. Now listen, the Bible talks about angelic visitations, but when an angel visited anyone, it says in Revelation, when an angel visited John, the guy that wrote the gospel that we're studying right now, it says he fell down like a dead man, which means it scared him so bad he passed out. Whenever anyone in the Bible came in contact with an angel, it was terrifying at first. And when you hear a lot of these people talk about their encounters with angels, A, they boss them around like they're God, 
when they talk about it. And B, they will literally talk. Well, I was sitting there one day praying. An angel walks through the door and we sat down. And I'm not even joking. We had a cup of coffee and we talked about all these different things. Wow. It didn't scare you, but it scared John. It scared Isaiah. It scared a lot of other men in the Bible that saw angels. Um, manna from heaven, again, that's a biblical thing, but that happened because the people in the desert didn't have any food. Um, if you research a lot of videos, there's one where a woman finds manna in the church. And I kid you not, she holds it up and says, look, they're cut in perfect squares. No man could ever do that. Go to Lifeway. You can pick those up. I'm serious, in perfect squares. But they say these things, manna has appeared. Um, one that's extremely bothersome is called grave soaking. This is very popular in California with a, a very big church out there that, that a lot of us read the books and look up to. Um, they lay down on the graves of C.S. Lewis and Wigglesworth, and that's a real guy, and all these different people, and they soak in the, the anointing of these dead Christians. They will literally lay on their graves and soak in the anointing of, of Christians. It's called uh, grave soaking. Extreme intoxication, I'm not talking about the joy of the Lord kind of getting a hold of you and giggling while you're praying. I'm talking about rolling around, acting like, just like the video we saw, um, smoking invisible Jesus joints and rolling around and taking communion and falling back and just being intoxicated by this. They talk about that. Teleportation is one they talk about, where literally there's a, um, there's a church, uh, be careful, there's a church that the, the pastor claims all the time that people will walk up to him and say, man, you taught a really great lesson in Brazil. And he's like, I've never been to Brazil. Well, you were there last week and I was at the rally. And so he talks about how he has a, uh, what's it called, Andrew? Um, it's like the uh, spirit man, how he's got a spirit man that will go to other places and preach while he's at home preaching his lesson. And so he gets teleported, kind of, to all these different places. And this is common. Um, and there's all kinds of of, of of stuff on top of this that we're not even covering yet. Now look, I'm gonna show you guys something that blew my mind when I studied it this week. You see the ones I made in blue? If you study, I'm talking the hyper, way out there charismatic movement, there's three miracles that come up over and over and over. And it's gold dust and gold teeth, feathers from heaven and gemstones, okay? Listen, keep those three in mind. Uh, gold dust and gold, uh, uh, different gold teeth, gold. Some people have gold all over them, all this gold stuff. Gemstones and feathers, okay? Let me read you something from Ezekiel 28. This is talking about Lucifer. If everyone doesn't know, Lucifer is Satan before he was cast down to hell. Let, let, watch this, watch. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every kind of precious stone covered you, your mountings and settings were crafted in gold and you were prepared the day you were created and you were a cherub. Satan had wings that were held together by gemstones and gold. In the Bible, God does not have wings. He's not covered in gold and he doesn't have gemstones all over him. That's interesting, isn't it? All throughout these movements, gold, feathers, gems. Gold, feathers, gems. And those are not attributes, the physical attributes of God. They were the physical attributes of Lucifer. That is a very interesting thing to me. Okay, a couple of videos for you. You guys ready? Okay. Hi, I'm Andrew Strom, author of the new 2015 edition of Kundalini Warning, a false spirits invading the church. And the main reason we've put out this new version of the book is because of Bill Johnson and Bethel Church in Redding, California. 
Now, there's no doubt that Bill Johnson is one of the most influential figures in the charismatic world today. But what really concerns us is what's going on behind the scenes at Bethel. This is what a bunch of drunk Bethel students look like. All of this footage comes from within Bethel itself. Obviously, as you can see, they're into spreading this drunkenness anointing, just like the others we've looked at. For years, Bill's wife, Benny Johnson, has been the senior co-pastor of Bethel alongside her husband. And this woman is into some truly weird new agey stuff, reflexology, and much more. Benny Johnson herself put out this picture. She's lying soaking on C.S. Lewis's grave. These are students from Bethel's School of Ministry and they've been photographed around the world lying on the graves of dead Christian leaders. There's a teaching in some of these circles that you can soak up the anointing by lying on their graves. Here's Bill Johnson himself at the grave of the wife of Smith Wigglesworth, the famous healing evangelist. Of course, people say that Bill Johnson is such a great teacher, such a great writer, but it's actually what's going on in the background that concerns us, the spreading of New Age practices, the spreading of a New Age type anointing, a foreign spirit. Those are the things that really worry us about Bethel. In 2012, the Bethel crowd put out this book, The Physics of Heaven, and the subtitle says it all, Exploring God's Mysteries of Sound, Light, Energy, Vibrations, in quantum physics. Many Christian leaders, when they've read this book, say it is one of the most new age things they've ever seen. The contents are unbelievable. Just the chapter headings alone are proof enough. Vibrating in harmony with God. The God vibration. Dolphin therapy. Quantum mysticism. Human body frequencies. What on earth is a major ministry like Bethel doing promoting such a weird and mystical work? Of course, this deeply New Age book is still sold on the Bethel website to this day. After all, that's who it's come from. And then to break over limits and experience increase. So let's say you've got a faith measure for... I don't know, let's take a financial area. Let's say you've got a faith measure for believing for $1,000 a month to come in. Well, when the breaker anointing hits you, you'll break over into increase. So your faith will allow you to even double or triple that amount. I ask for the breaker anointing all the time when I'm believing for things for our ministry because God's always giving us new vision. I thought, if you don't give the breaker anointing, how will we ever break into it? We need so much increase to make that happen. So the breaker anointing, whoa, 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 ho, ho, ooh. I don't often get visited like this during a film shoot, <laughs> but I'm getting visited right now by the breaker anointing, and the Lord just, whoa, told me that even though he himself is the breaker, whoa, he's assigning a breaker angel to our ministry right now. Oh, whoa, whoa, oh, wow. 
I can feel its presence and its power right now. And um, I'm not going to stop the camera just because this is happening because it's, it's, it's amazing. It releases. It's going to be like a starting gun for the ministry time. So those of you who like ministry, go ahead and stand up. Get in the middle section. Youth, children, those who have been touched by the fire, prepare to minister. Yeah, he's here. He's here. Two days ago, I saw Jesus opening himself up and walking in our midst. Today, the phrase that keeps going in my mind and in my heart is that my deep calls out to his deep. My deep calls out to his deep. My deep calls out to your deep, Jesus. My deep calls out to your deep. My deep goes out to his deep. My deep goes out to his deep. time I showed that video to my wife, she made me turn it off because she felt like it was bringing something into our house that shouldn't be in our house. Um, and my wife is also a spirit-filled, she prays in the spirit. Um, that last video, like, shakes me up. Now, guys, listen, and I hope you know me enough that I'm not, I, I, I love the church and I never want to tear, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the church. The man that pastors the church of the last video we saw is best friends with Todd Bentley who punches women in the face and got drunk and cheated on his wife and was ministering to 400,000. And those two men, and I almost put the picture up, but man, people get real defensive over some people. They are best friends with Bill Johnson of Bethel Church, Jesus Culture, all that. They speak at each other's churches, they run in the same circle, and there are so many people um, that are connected. And I'm not trying to tear down people, I'm trying to tear down bad theology. That's what I'm trying to tear down. And so if that last video 
doesn't strike something in the, in the Christian. If, 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 I don't know if you felt the way, I, I've watched that video 50 times, and every time I watch it, it makes me uncomfortable, every single time. And there should be something in us. Now, here's the thing. After seeing, you saw, guys, you can ask Josh, that's not even scraping the surface of how weird this world gets, how weird it gets. So here's what we do, guys, because we're not here to destroy people. We're here to attack bad theology. We have to ask ourselves this. Are the things, let's just take the things we just saw. Are these miracles, signs, and teachings biblical? Do they line up with the Bible? Every time we see something that is propagated like this, we have to step back and say, does this align itself with the word of God? If you don't know God this well, God will never do anything that contradicts his word or his character. We have to ask ourselves, are those things confusing? Now, if something's confusing, doesn't mean that it's instantly bad, but when Paul said, let me clarify for you the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, we find clarity in the Word of God. So if we are confused by something, can we go to the Word of God and find clarity? Do these signs and wonders have a purpose? Now, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Does someone's teeth turning to gold have a purpose? Does gold dust appearing um, in a service have a purpose? Does uh, feathers falling have a purpose? Do wolf spirits and breaker anointings, I don't, I've never heard that term, but do breaker anointings have a purpose? And by the way, that woman, Patricia King, that's the woman who has the wolf spirits that visit her. And listen, I should have edited the video differently. Before it goes into Patricia King, it is Bill Johnson's wife reading the prophecies of Patricia King to their church. They follow her prophecies. A wolf spirit breaker anointing teaching person. Um, do these things uh, have a purpose? Do they align with the character of God? The character of God. There is things that God does all throughout the Bible that are in alignment with his character. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we using the gifts of knowledge, wisdom, and discernment to be able to look at those videos? All of you in this room, you probably just got a little bit of exercise in the gift of discernment. You watch that last video and there's something inside of you saying, there's something wrong with that. And that's, a, that's the gift of discernment working in us in that time, okay? So let's talk about what is the character of God, right? I just said we talked about um, the character of God. Now, here's a couple of things. And you can fact check me on this. Nowhere in the Bible is a miracle performed for no reason. Nowhere. Every time God does something, it has a purpose. There's a purpose behind every single miracle, every single sign in the Bible. There is something there uh, that God was trying to teach us or do to us or something he was trying to accomplish. Here's something else. When all these very hyper-charismatic churches say, look, gemstones, guys, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I talked to a man online when that fiasco happened on my Facebook about this documentary I was watching. A guy sent me a thing and said, there's a church in your town where gemstones appear all the time. And I said, really? Can I go borrow one and take it to a gemologist? Can I do that? And if, the, if they give them rubies the size of golf balls, why are they still asking for money all the time? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely, they're fake. So the miracles and signs always had a purpose in the Bible. Listen, if you research the Bible, nothing from heaven was ever left on earth except from the manna from heaven. Fact check me on that. There was never something God did where there was like a residue left behind, right? Where they run your finger, oh, that's the gold dust of the glory of God. That doesn't, that's nowhere in the Bible. 
Um, miracles in the Bible brought revelation, not confusion. Um, and I'm not trying to slaughter Bill Johnson, guys, because I know some of you in this room really like him. But Bill Johnson calls the signs that happen in his church signs that make you wonder. That is bad theology. The signs of God never made you wonder. They brought clarity. They made you not wonder about that anymore. All throughout the Bible, the signs of God brought clarity, not confusion, because God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. He's the author of clarity. That's what he is, 1 Corinthians 14. And also, the Holy Spirit is not elusive, but it is sent by God to comfort us, to counsel us, and to help us. If you get into a lot of the teachings um, of these people that... that uh, that talk about this stuff. They always talk about being brought into an inner room. Research it. If you go down this rabbit hole, guys, you'll see a lot of these pastors. An angel visited me and took me to a hidden room. There's a hidden room that we went to. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not elusive. It says that Jesus is always knocking on the door. He's coming after us. He's not hiding. Oh, you caught me. You know, that's not how Jesus and the Holy Spirit works. He's not elusive. He is sent by us from the Father to comfort, counsel, help, clarify. That's what the Holy Spirit is sent to do. So listen, here's what we have to do. And this isn't just with the videos we watched. It's not just the, the, the things we view in church. Everything that happens uh, that is miraculous or a sign or a wonder or a prophecy or whatever it is, if we examine those things, and conclude that they do not answer the questions we just looked at well. Does it align with the character of God? Does it align with the word? Does it align with the teachings of Paul? When it talks about, if they don't align with that well, then we have to ask ourselves, where do those things come from? If they're not from God, where do they come from? Listen, Josh and I talked about this for a long time, and, and I'm gonna stick my neck out there, and if I stick it out too far, I'll pull me back. I don't think Bill Johnson is an evil man. I think Bill Johnson has bad theology. And I think he has let his emotions and he has let those things run him. So I don't think he's a bad man. I think that he has sincerely believed some bad theology. And I think there's a lot of those people who are not evil, bad men. I have met people who, who were bonkers, charismatic, but they were genuinely good, solid, loving people. But they sincerely believe some really bad theology. Can, can I just say this too? I think Jump in. There's a scripture verse in 1 John 4 that the Apostle John tells the church what they're to do. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Right. I think my reticence with a lot of, of teachers from this movement that are a bit more mainstream is that anytime someone starts to apply this verse, they're labeled as a Pharisee. They're labeled as a Bible idolater. Yes. They're labeled as, man, you, you can't judge I mean, for whatever, let's just say Bill Johnson, that, that particular teacher, for, for whatever reason, is put on such a pedestal that when you begin to apply this same litmus test that, that I would ask for you to apply to my teaching, and I know Corey would ask for you to apply to his teaching, when you start doing that with some of these guys, they say, no, 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 touch not the Lord's anointed. And, and what I would say is, um, I think this takes precedent over anything like that, and we are called to test every teaching, test every word of prophecy, test every person, me, Corey, any of these cats. None of those guys are off limits. And listen, if, if a leader does not welcome scrutiny, don't follow them. If any leader does not welcome scrutiny, and you guys, if you've come to this church for any length of time, I get up in front of our church all the time and I say, fact check me. And if I'm wrong, reprimand me in a gentle, kind way, but fact check me. Do that. Listen, so if we, if we look at these, these signs, wonders, miracles, prophecies, whatever, and if we determine that they're not biblical, 
okay? They can either be emotionalism, so the person's not evil, they just might have bad theology. Guys, quite frankly, it could just be straight up parlor tricks. Who was the man in the 70s that did the tent revivals? Um, Some of you guys know Peter Popoff. Do you know the story Does anyone know who that is? Um, So the guy was essentially a self-proclaimed prophet that would hold these huge healing revivals, claim to know all this information that people... He knew people's addresses, he knew their ailments. What they found out is that people would fill out prayer cards when they come in the room. They would pass it off to his wife who would have a uh, radio that he would wear in an earpiece and literally he would walk up to somebody and say, is it, is it Corey, Corey Trimble? And people would be standing up and they'd you know, be in the moment and he would just have all these, you know, they know their address, you know. Come to find out the guy's an atheist and he made a buttload of money doing this. And here's the crazy part, guys. He is still on TV sailing holy water. Seriously, if you're, up, if you, if you're you, up late enough, you'll see him. Yeah, if you're up late enough watching, I can't remember what network it is, but he's, he's still out there and people aren't applying that uh, sense of discernment to him. So Crazy. again, some, some of these guys, quite frankly, like the fake gemstones and the, you know, the gold dust that's probably purchased from Hobby Lobby or whatever, like some of that is because guys, I have, there's no one in these circles that we watch that is poor. Um, they all have money. And uh, there's a scripture that actually talks about that. So emotionalism, bad theology, it could be parlor tricks. Or guys, the third option, if we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and if we believe in God and angels, we also have to believe in Satan and demons. Uh, it could be demonic possession. It could be demonic things doing these, these, these things in these churches. Some of these things might be real, but that doesn't mean they're really of God. Uh, it could be demonic things that are going on in that. Now listen, here's where... And I'll just be honest, uh, I have never received more hateful comments when I put this thing up that I was gonna show a documentary about this stuff, right? And I've changed my feel. I've never gotten more hateful emails or any of that. And the question that people keep asking me is, Corey, why do you care so much? You just wanna tear down, you wanna be a jerk, you wanna scrutinize, you wanna tear down these great churches in California or there's even some locally uh, that, that you wanna tear down and you're a divisive person. Why do you care so much? I'm gonna tell you why we should care so much. The first one is from 1 Thessalonians. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Test all things. And if it's of God, the Bible will confirm it. Test all things. Hold on to what is good and stay away from what is evil. That's a pretty direct command. Let's move on. Jesus answered him, an evil and an adulterous generation demands a sign. So I don't want to be a part of an evil generation that's always looking for the next sign of God. Um, and the Bible actually says that blessed are the ones that haven't seen him. Blessed are the ones that haven't had that, that, that sign shown to them. And so it's an adulterous generation that seeks a sign. Second Peter says this. Now, look, guys, that stuff we just talked about, look at this. And what, what uh, uh, Josh just talked about. False prophets will secretly, secretly bring in destructive heresies, even deny, denying the master who brought them. Let me pause there. In a lot of these circles, the act or the creation is worshiped more than the creator. The gift is worshiped more than the gift giver in a lot of these circles. Even denying the master who brought them and will bring in swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow, listen, look at this, unrestrained ways. We're just drunk, man, we're drunk. We're intoxicated, we're drunk. Let me get off on a tangent here for a second. When they accused the spirit-filled believers of being drunk, what was the first thing Peter said? They're not drunk. They're not drunk. They're not drunk. Unrestrained ways by the way of truth will be blasphemed because of them. 
they will exploit you in their greed with deceptive words. They will exploit you in their greed with their deceptive words. Um, If anyone tells you, look at this one, Jesus said this. If anyone tells you, look, Jesus is over there or over here, do not believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, even if possible, the very elect. I've told you in advance, so if they come and tell you, look, he's in the wilderness, just like I said, look, he's in inner rooms. All of these people that we watch tonight will say, an angel took me to an inner room. There was another dimension, there was another realm. All these different buzzwords, there's these secret places we went to. And Jesus said, if people come and say you that I'm, tell you that I'm hiding in a secret room, don't believe them. If they tell you I'm hiding somewhere, I'm in some inner room, don't believe them. That's what Jesus said. And so what ends up happening is a lot of these speakers go into the waters of what's called Gnosticism. Gnosticism is a fancy word that was used for people. If you go back to about the second century, right, um, um, in the first hundred 200 years after Jesus was on earth, there was a movement that came up called Gnosticism. And what it was is people who said that they believed in Jesus, but they had this hidden knowledge. And you had to pay to receive this hidden secret knowledge that will bring you closer to God. If you go down the rabbit hole of this extreme hyper-charismatic stuff, there's always this book, or there's always this conference, or there's always this thing And so there's the secret and hidden knowledge that they have that you can only get at their conference. You can only get at their movement. You can only get by that pastor if he touches you or punches you in the face or whatever the case may be. You can only receive it from them. It also goes into mysticism. In fact, that first video we saw, that guy was discipled under a man named John Crowder that calls his movement the New Mystics. That's what he calls them, the New Mystics. If you watch his videos, they are so irreverent and blasphemous. It should make us a little bit angry irreverent and blasphemous. And what it typically gets into, and you see that with the Bill Johnson and the Bethel stuff, is a lot of strict new ageism. Physics and therapies and vibrations, and this is new age stuff. That's essentially what that is. And we are to stay away from those things the Bible says. So why do we care so much? Do you know why I care so much? Because in 1820, a 14-year-old boy walked into the woods and encountered an angel of light that gave him some gold tablets. And now, right now on planet Earth, there are 14.8 million Mormons that follow a man, listen, he was a boy, that followed a boy that received a secret knowledge from an angel. That's why I care so much. Because right now on planet Earth, there's almost 15 million people who believe a bad, sending them to hell theology. That's why we care. You know what the Bible calls Satan? but you don't know that unless you read the Bible. We don't know that unless we know the word. We don't know the counterfeit unless we know the real thing. So if any pastor tells you, don't read your Bible too much, just listen to me, you need to go to another church. Because a lot of deception can take place if we are not careful. So this is the last slide, and then we'll do questions, okay? So if you got those, start, you can start texting them to Josh if you want to, if you haven't already. The gifts of the Spirit, we care because the gifts of the Spirit are given to help us grow closer to God, to edify the church, to bring unity to the church, and to reach those who don't believe. Ephesians 4, basically the whole chapter, but specifically 12 through 15. We honor God with our hearts and with our minds and our love for the Word. 
We don't just worship him in spirit. These are, again, there's a lot of these people who are not bad people, but they're driven by their emotions. They're all spirit and no word, and it has taken them down an unhealthy path. So we must worship him, as Jesus said, in spirit, yes, and also in the word, in truth. And so another reason why we care, Josh and I in this church, is we do not want to confuse people. We do not want to propagate a shallow faith. In 2007, was that the Lakeland, Florida? 2008 was the Lakeland, Florida movement. 400,000 people. I'm, I'm telling you, people sold everything to get down there just to find out that the guy who was heading it up was an adulterous guy who was getting literally drunk. I would love if someone would do a documentary to find out where all those people are now. How many are shattered fates came out of that when they realized their prophet was not a prophet at all? How many shattered faiths came from that? And we care because we do not want people to be led astray. I'm telling you, I had hateful, hateful things sent to me. Corey, you're, you're this and you're that and you're judgmental. Why are you doing this? I'm doing this because on the weekend, 2,200 people at a minimum come to hear me teach and I wanna make sure they're going down the narrow path to the Father, not the broad gate to hell, right? Nobody threw anything. That's what we were scared about. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so this, I think, that's, I think that's all I got. Uh, so if you have questions, you can text us. Do you already have some? Uh, I have a bunch, actually. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and listen, guys, I, Josh and I are not, you know, we're not PhD-level theologians. Um, I may not have every answer, but between the two of us, I, we will do the best we can um, to answer some of these. Do you want to start? Yeah, one of them is where do we get that sweet, sweet frankincense? Uh, <laughs> Uh, here's, a, here's a really good one, and, and I really, really, I think this is really good. Um, what are your thoughts on the testimony of hundreds of people that report having a renewed faith and a new joy in their faith, having suffered from deep depression or marital discord, as a result of the laughing revival, like in the Toronto Blessing? That's a really good question. We actually no. talked about that. There's people in this room, I won't, of course, I won't embarrass you. There are people in this room who have discovered their calling people who've been healed, people who have, like that question says, been extremely energized at some of these conferences. Um, in fact, oh, I won't say this individual, one of my wife's best friends at the church, their whole family got saved and he got delivered of a heroin addiction at the Lakeland one, I think, the one, or Brownsville, Brownsville. that was a different movement, but um, that happened at the Brownsville movement, that those things happened um, for him. My opinion on that is, uh, I believe God works in the faith of the person who goes up there. So there are times when Benny Hinn, and I'm not gonna just make fun of Benny Hinn, that guy's worth $40 million and, you know, whatever. But uh, I believe it's the faith of the individual that goes up there to get prayed for, uh, that heals them or restores them or gives them that calling or whatever the case may be. And I'll say this too, that um, God can operate and work in spite of those things. Yes. You guys, you guys understand, like, it, God's not sitting, shaking his head, going, man, I just wish these guys would shut up, but, I'm, you know, they're more powerful than me. No, God can save, heal, redeem, restore, touch people in spite of absolute knuckleheads that are getting drunk and, and not living it out, so. Amen. Uh, here's one. Um, does everyone have every gift, or do specific people get specific gifts only? Uh, this is a big problem I had with the United Pentecostal Church. That's what I got saved in, if anyone's familiar with that movement. That movement... Um, says that you have to speak in tongues or you do not have the Holy Spirit inside you. That's what they believe. 
Um, that's not theologically correct at all. Again, my opinion, and I think I have the word to back this up because it says in 1 Corinthians 12 that there is one spirit that distributes all these gifts, right? So it's God that distributes these things. I believe that we don't, I pray for the gift of wisdom. I, right now I pray for the fruit of self-control and discipline in my life, but uh, I think we can pray for those things and ask for those things. We need to be careful not to make idols of those things or prioritize those giftings on what we want. I think we need to pray for the God to use the Holy Spirit in us however we want and however he sees fit to use us, he will do us at that time. do it at that time. Uh, the clearest scripture about that I think is in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, are all apostles, are all preachers, are all um, teachers, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And the answer is no, we're not all those things. So when I read that for the first time, being a United Pentecostal Church minister, um, I said, well, right there it says in the Bible that not everyone's gonna speak in tongues. So I don't believe everyone has to do that to be saved. You know, that theologically threw me off a little bit. So no, I believe God distributes those things how God sees fit. Hey, and there's a, um, I, I went to an Assemblies of God Christian college and one of the teachings of the Assemblies of God, and, and I love that denomination. Some of you guys were saved in that. I, I experienced God in that. But one of the teachings that, that they have is a distinctive is that they believe in um, the uh, gift of the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's given to you by the laying on of hands that is manifested first and foremost primarily by the speaking of tongues. Um, there's a lot, a lot of teaching on that. Um, if you wanna go deeper on that, the prayer, spiritual gifts, and spiritual warfare class kind of break those views down. There are kind of four views concerning the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. So I think that's, a, um, that's something that I, I really encourage you to study on your own. And, yeah, and, and, really and the, the reason why a lot of those denominations teach that it has to be speaking in tongues is because in Acts chapter two, that was the first gifted, yeah. gift that was manifested sure. when the Holy Spirit came down. But the speaking in tongues that happened in Acts chapter two is not like the speaking in tongues that more than likely you will be given when you receive that gift if you do. Um, they were receiving that strategically to minister to the people out on the street and speak their language. That was different. Um, so there, that's, there's not a lot of theological ground that can be stood yeah. on there. Uh, this one says, the verse Corey showed from Matthew before Second Peter slides said, an evil generation will look for signs, but none will be given except through the prophet of Jonah. What is it meaning by signs from the prophet of Jonah? It's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. Um, three days in the grave and then risen up. Uh, that was spoken to the Jews, if I'm not mistaken, in chapter 12, and they were wanting him to perform more tricks and he had performed, by this time, many, many things. And so he was basically saying to them, no matter how many signs and wonders I give you, it's not gonna be enough. So the only thing you're gonna see that's gonna make you know who I am is you're gonna kill me, and I'm gonna raise from the grave, just like Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and came out. That's what that's referring to. Here's one. Uh, how do you know when someone who speaks in tongues is speaking real tongues hmm. are just mumbling or speaking rambling garbage? You know, boy, that's a good question too. When we were in the Pentecostal church, and I'm not trying to knock on the Pentecostal church, because it was a salvation issue, you'd have these poor kids, man, who'd have their hands up for 55 minutes. And um, you told me a story one time at a camp. They had this kid's hands in the air forever, and he's just, kid's just worn out, right? Can't even stand up on his own. And they're just wanting him to speak in tongues, and finally the kid goes, Abba, Baba, you, you good? And he left, you know? Um, so, uh, which is irreverent, right? But... Um, I don't, I don't know if we do know. I don't know if it's discernment or if it's wisdom or if that's between that person or sometimes emotions kick in. And I think that sometimes we want it so bad that we almost think we can manipulate it. I hear of churches sometimes 
thinking that they can teach people how to do it, and I don't agree with that. I don't think the Bible lines up with that. I think it's a gift given to us that only God can give us, and it can't be manufactured or taught. I don't agree with that. Um, so I would think it would be the discernment, and, and that's between the person. It's an individual thing. Yeah, and I think, too, that um, the I'll just share with you guys a little bit of my own experience. When I was in college, chapel services in college, we'd have somebody go on the mic and say, on the count of three, everybody's going to talk in tongues. One, two, three, go. And so, of course, if you didn't have that gifting, what do you do? I mean, you, you just start copying what you hear around you, right? And so as you get caught up in the emotion of the moment, and if you study 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, that's not how the gift of tongues was supposed to be exercised in the context in, of the local in, church. In fact, in chapter 14, Paul gets on to the church and says, listen, when everyone's getting up doing this, he says this, depending on the translation, he says, they're gonna think you're crazy. They're gonna think you're mad. If everyone's doing this at the same time and a visitor walks in the back door and it's just like, right, they're gonna think you're crazy. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. And so it says, do it one at a time, orderly, and if it's gonna be corporate. Yeah. That's what it says. Uh, we're getting a lot of kind of the same question and... Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and tackle it. Here we go. Put on your big boy pants. If Bethel oh, has a lot of false teaching coming forth from it, should we purposely not support them in any financial way buying CDs or books? What about using, our, uh, using songs from Bethel worship for our personal and corporate worship? It's a really good question too. And, yeah, and here's a, here, let me tell you a little bit about what our church has done. Uh, we used to sing a song that they did, the Show Me Your Glory, is that the name of the song? Yeah, the bridge part said, I'm not afraid. There was a lot of bad theology in that song, and we stopped doing it at this church for two reasons. One, the, the person who wrote it said, God, show me your glory, I'm not afraid. They should be afraid, because everyone in the Bible who saw God's glory was terrified, right? Um, so that's bad theology. The other reason why we stopped singing that specific song is that song was written about a glory cloud of gold dust that showed up in Bethel Church. That's what that's about. Show me your glory, and, and you can actually, if you wanna get online and YouTube, the video of, and I'm, guys, I am not trying to slam this man, but Bill Johnson's sitting casually like this, and they're looking at the glory of God, and everyone's going. Read the Bible and see what happens to people when the glory of God was in their, in their presence. Um, and, and listen, can I just be real with you guys? It is offensive, and it makes me angry that people would be so audacious to say, eh, there's the glory of God. All right, let's go eat lunch. Yeah, I mean, that's offensive to me. So here's what we've done at this church. Um, I think there are still some Bethel songs we do here. There is, yeah. Um, There's we, quite a bit. We, we vet every single song we sing to be theologically accurate. Now listen, just because uh, I don't agree with a lot of the teachings coming out of Bethel doesn't mean that they're all evil people. And um, it doesn't mean that good things can't come out of that. Nor does uh, it mean that all teaching that comes out of it is that's necessarily right. her heretical. Um, I think the key with that is I have, okay, let me give, give you an example. Anyone know who um, Rob Bell is? He's like Oprah's spiritual guru now, right? I have Rob Bell's first two books, and they're phenomenal. Sex God and Velvet Elvis, they are phenomenal books. Changed my life in a lot of ways. He is theologically whacked now. Doesn't even believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven now, right? Doesn't believe in a, in a literal hell, just way out there now. But what he wrote, those first two books, I believe was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I read those books and I got a lot from those. I think it's us making sure that everything we purchase, everything we sing, everything we, we feed ourselves aligns. Guys, that's why, we're, that's why I push this so much on you guys. This has to be the barometer and the anchor by which everything is done. Everything is done. That doesn't mean I worship the leather and the paper. 
But this is the mind of God put down on paper for us to do our best to interpret and follow. And um, so I believe everything we buy, everything we read, every song we sing should be vetted by that. And Kyle does a phenomenal job with that. He's not here. So. <laughs> uh, we're getting a lot of questions. They're kind of the same ones, so I'm just, I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase the, the same kind of question. Um, the appropriate environment for the gifts of the Spirit, specifically the gift of tongues, the gift of interpreting tongues, um, the right kind of environments for that to happen. Should it be done in a large corporate worship setting like a Sunday morning or are the charismatic gifts best practiced in a smaller group or in something similar to that? That's one I'm not 100% sure on what I think about that. Again, I'll be honest with you guys and, and this just shows how um, the more I grow as a pastor, the more I'm realizing, the less I know. Uh, I have felt the Holy Spirit start to move in our services before, and I, I, I remember when we were in this room, I always came over here right before I would come up and speak, and there were certain times where Kyle would be like, okay, we're gonna get quiet for a second, and I'm over here on the side, and I'm like, oh God, here it comes. You know, like, someone's gonna stand up and speak in tongues, and I'm gonna have to spend four weeks meeting people, <laughs> you know, to like, clarify that. Uh, Man, you guys are laughing. That's a legit, <laughs> that's a legit thing. Um, it depends on the service, too. There's some really yes. gymnastic-type uh, worshipers that you just, woo, here it comes. Here it comes, today, man. Yeah. And um, I want to be careful, and this is my prayer. And guys, this is good that we're doing this. My prayer is that I never quench the Holy Spirit. If God wants to move in front of a couple thousand people on a weekend, I, I fear God more than I fear all of you. And if he wants to move, uh, oh, oh, don't, don't applaud for me. I just told you I'm a bad person. So uh, um, I'll let God do whatever he wants to do. I think in my personal experience, I think when it's a room of people who understand the scripture and the Holy Spirit, I think that's the safest environment. Because if a non, I, I spoke at a church one time in Auburn Hills, Michigan, Pentecostal church, spoke up there and it's about an 1800 person church. Not quite as big as this church, but still a pretty good sized church. It was um, third or fourth generation, like no visitors to speak of. It was the same people, you know, for life. I was pre uh, preaching at this revival, and it was one of those times where the worship leader did the same song for 45 minutes, and people are falling each other and slapping each other, and people are falling out. And I'm sitting in the back of the room, I kid you not, and I was staring at this whole thing, not because I was uncomfortable, but there was four visitors sitting right in the middle, and they were terrified. And I sat in the back of the room, and I said, those four will probably never come to church again because 1 Corinthians 14, they are breaking 1 Corinthians 14 right now. And so I got up there to teach my lesson. I put my Bible down and said, hey guys, I'm not gonna teach you anything tonight. Uh, I'm gonna dismiss you because we've already, there's, is there any children in here? Oh, never mind, I shouldn't say it. Um, no, because you know what I'm gonna say. Um, we have already uh, spiritually pleased ourselves enough and I'm gonna teach the gospel to those four that came in. So you're all dismissed and I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to those four. Because Paul says it's better that I speak five words of the gospel that they can understand than 10,000 words in tongues. That's what he says. So I'd rather spread the gospel to those four. So I, I got really mad and I was never asked to speak at that church again. <laughs> so um, I, think, I think like our prayer group that meets on Mondays, like the Carpenters are here and Debbie and, and uh, the Shabans, people who go to that, I feel like that's a good environment for those things to operate in. But I'll tell you what, guys, if he wanted to interrupt our services, I, sure. I'd let him interrupt our services. I, I think, too, uh, you probably remember this, probably six years ago. Um, some of you guys know Andrew Coleman. Andrew grew up in a um, kind of 
very tradition. Baptist. Yeah, very, very kind of cessationist. These gifts aren't for today. And so we were going through the book of First Corinthians and he came up to us. We were doing a worship service. It was before Sunday morning. I think you remember this, between the 9 and the 11 service. This is when we were like 30 people or something. He just says, guys, I just really feel like, can we go into one of these Sunday school classrooms and you guys lay your hands on me and pray to see if God gives me the gift of speaking in tongues? He said, I've studied this passage, I've studied these scriptures. It said, earnestly desire the gifts, pray for it. What if we just prayed and asked God if he would do it? And, he and so I remember there was three or four of us and we laid hands on Andrew and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and, and you know what? Um, God didn't give him that gift today, that day. Um, I, I don't know if God gave him that gift in another day, but instances like that have happened after that with other people where we have prayed for them and God did give them that gift. And so I think that that, to me, was an honoring of the Word of God and handling that gift because it was a mature believer that understood the purpose of that gift and earnestly sought that gift, not for their own glory, not to get an emotional high, but because the Bible says, earnestly desire the gifts, and he had enough faith to believe it. And he didn't really care if he seemed a little silly. He just said, let's go for it. Let's go for it. I hope that answered that question a little bit. I don't know if it did or not. Uh, We're getting a lot of questions about being quote unquote slain in the spirit, is that biblical? Is that real? To my knowledge, I can't find anywhere in scripture where that happened. Uh, People fell out when they were in front of angels, and of course in the presence of of the Lord. Um, I think of Isaiah, I think of John. Um, Again, I came from a church where that happened a lot. (sighs) Guys, I don't mean this derogatory at all. I have a hard time buying that it's God's will for an old woman to fall back and crack her head on the concrete concrete floor. I just don't, I don't know if that's God's will. I've seen, and I have personally been pushed down to where I've felt, if you've ever been to a next class, I was on my face on the carpet, um, praying in the spirit. Um, There's been times I have been pushed down, I have been, uh, my knees have buckled because of the Lord. Um, Gosh, I don't know what to say about that one. I'm very skeptical of the slain in the spirit and, and drunk in the spirit. I'm very, I'm very conflicted by that, and, and I'm very skeptical of that. Uh, but I can't think of any biblical references to that. I can think of one in the garden when they asked Jesus something about who he was, and he said who he was, and they fell backwards on their face. When they, yeah. But those guys were, like, not good guys. <laughs> and that was falling back because they were blasphemers. Right. Um, I'll say this. I... I I don't mind if the Spirit of God wants to knock me over and take me to my knees. I agree. Um, I don't want to be so proud in the presence of God that if he wants to draw me to my knees, I stand there stubbornly and say, nope, I, no. But at the same time, uh, if you've been in circles and services that I have and also you have, um, I'll just say this and research this. I think a lot of that is manufactured emotionalism. If you're expecting that and then someone comes up and touches you and pushes and then blows on you, then there's, there's something psychological there that you're already expecting that anyway. And so it's almost like when... You, people did it at Michael Jackson concerts. Yeah. I mean, seriously. He'd walk into the room and people would pass out and faint and this emotionally charged thing would happen. Sure. And, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen sometimes and it's genuine, but I just... Again, I'm wondering what's the takeaway from that? What is the, yeah. what is the purpose S- of Some that? of you guys know Amber Hampton. Amber Hampton <laughs> tells a story about going to a Benny Hinn uh, <laughs> revival. And they brought her up on stage, and of course, if you've seen the clips, he goes, brush, and you fall over, you know? Whole, whole waves of people would yeah, fall Yeah, and over, they just, right? like, line them up, like, line up, 
Well, he's always saying, you know, feel the, the breath of God, the breath of wealth. She comes up and she sees a fan right behind him. He said, feel the breath of God, anointing. And she just stands there. Every, everyone falls except for Amber. Yeah. And then <laughs> and, she looks and Amber, over. And Amber's just kind of standing there. Yeah, and she just shakes her head and she looks over and two guys pull her down. Yeah, two security guys were like, ma'am. Yeah, go ahead and fall. We'll leave you alone, just fall. So there's a part of that that, is that biblical? I mean, I, don't, I mean, I've, I've laid on my office with my face on the ground praying. I've squatted praying. I don't know if I can find in the Bible, is it okay to squat praying? But at the same time, is it biblical to march 300 people on public stage and go, and you just fall back? I, 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 think think that's, that, I think that's where that discernment and wisdom absolutely. come into play too. Absolutely. How many more do you want, you want to take? Um, I don't know. Let me see what time it is. Let me take two more? Yeah, let's take a couple more. Somebody says Amber who? Amber Hampton. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> Here's one. I think this is. A, Someone wants Amber's autograph. <laughs> yeah. For the surviving one that stood Benny Hinn. Yeah. <laughs> I often get incredibly angry and zealous. Whenever I see someone abusing the word of God, for example, false teachings on prosperity gospel, I have unexplainably felt the same zeal slash anger towards individuals in my life when they talk about God. Is this some level of discernment or am I just irritable? <laughs> I ask myself that question all the time. Is that the Holy Spirit or just my sarcastic nature? Okay, so I had a um, theology professor in school that would talk about the difference between having a critical spirit and a critical mind. Say, the, say that one more time. The difference between having a critical spirit and a critical mind. That if we study the scriptures as the New Testament tells us to study the scriptures, we should have a critical mind. It should be like the Bereans in the book of Acts, that they studied the scripture night and day to see if these things were really from God. We should have a critical mind. We should know how to think. We should know how to use our Bibles. We should know how to look at something and say, well, let's look at the scriptures first. But then there is having a critical spirit. And someone with a critical spirit is constantly looking to be the Holy Spirit to everyone else and delights in exposing and delights in pointing people out and delights in saying, they're wrong, they're wrong, everybody's wrong but me. And I don't think that's of God. Something, something that Josh does a lot for me, and whoever asked that question, you should come find me because we're of like minds. Um, <laughs> there's, when I talked about how um, I, get, I get very offended and very sensitive when I, when I, I was very heated when I watched this and, and watched these videos and studied these things and see what these characters do. Um, because again, I think as a shepherd, uh, you get really, anxious, mad, angry when you see wolves get around your sheep. Um, it makes you angry, and there's a, there's a certain part of that that I think I can justify, but I'll be honest, the documentary I was gonna show you guys, I'm so much more happy we did this, but the documentary I was gonna show you, the guy's very sarcastic, he's rude, he's, he's kind of mean. I'm not saying I disagree with him, but he's, he, he is a critical spirit. And Josh saw it and he said, dude, you teach it, don't let this guy do it for you, because he has a critical spirit. And so I think we need to be cautious. There is a righteous anger. I talked about it this weekend. There's a righteous anger that I think we do need to have. Um, I think Jesus got mad at false teachers. Paul got mad at false teachers. Um, and, and, and there's a certain amount of that that we should be bothered by. But I think like Josh said, uh, I think we also gotta be careful not to make sure that we look at every church, every pastor, every person and criticize them and break them down because they don't look like us. So. Take one more or you think we're done? Yeah, I'll take another one. All right, last one. I'm digging one. it. 
I was always taught about the first two uh, members of the Trinity, Father and Son, but the Holy Spirit was always avoided because it was too supernatural. That's a Church of Christ person. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we said Christ. Sorry, I'm sorry. Come on, I'm come on. Sorry. okay. What is the role of the Holy Spirit and how do we pursue him as we follow Jesus? Well, in that, that's a really good question. In that, we talked about, where is that? He is the comforter, the counselor. Um, um, we were talking about this the other day. Yes, it's, it's, if you read the, the, the Nicene Creed, Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. This is an essential part of the Holy Trinity. And something that Josh and I were talking about the other day, because we were just being deep for like 15 minutes, um, we got to do that every once in a while. Uh, we were talking about the gender of God. Now, all the attributes of God's gender in the Bible are male. We talked about that father. Jesus was a man, all this stuff. But what the Holy Spirit, this is, maybe I'm getting too deep. What the Holy Spirit brings in is, is almost like that, that feminine touch, that gentleness, that care, that um, it's very uh, provocative, not in a bad way, but this, this, this um, it is this gentleness and this comfort and this peace and this emotion that is brought into the Trinity by the Holy Spirit. And so without that component, there's so much of God that we're missing. There's so much that we're missing in the, in the Holy Trinity. Um, and so how to follow that, I think, again, goes back to this, that we are to, just like Paul said and Josh said a minute ago, it says that we are to ask for the gifts of the Spirit, that we are to pray, that we are to be bold about these things, but Paul said we're also not to be confused about them. That's what's so great about the Word. If you get into those chapters in 1 Corinthians, it gives so much clarity about the operation of the Holy Spirit. Um, also, uh, God's not a chick or dude, no, so don't, no. don't text me on yeah, those don't things. Like, yeah, don't yeah. tweet about that. God yeah. said a third of, I learned that God, was a, a third of God is a woman. No, 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 no. Don't, yeah, don't we don't teach like that. the shack or anything no. here. So like, no, no, no. <laughs> shouldn't have said that either. I'm, we we hey, need to um, stop. John 15, this is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. 16, thank you. He says, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away. Think about that for a second. Jesus is looking at these dudes. Every one of us think to ourselves, man, what would it be like to walk around with Jesus? What would that be like? Man, we see Jesus face to face. And then Jesus turns to these dudes and says, it's actually better if I go away. Why does he say that? He says, it's your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you and when I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning oh, so sin good. because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And then read, read John 16 and read what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that, man, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and rests on us as believers, that we have the presence of God and it's our advantage it's even better than having Jesus face to face. God now lives in us and brings the things that Jesus said to remembrance and convicts us of sin. And I would dare say that a critical absence of the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we saw in some of these guys is there's no talk of sin. There's no talk of repentance. There's no talk of holiness. So if Jesus says that's what the Spirit primarily does and these guys say, nah, -uh, he shows up and gives gold dust. What? Yeah, that's right. Um, and those gifts of the Spirit, we always talked about a lot, we're, the power that God has given us. It's, it's, um, I think neglecting the Holy Spirit is like walking into a, a fierce battle with no weapons. It's, um, to neglect the Holy Spirit leaves us completely unarmed. 
And so we are given these gifts and we are given these offices and we are given these, 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 these things from the Father uh, and from the Holy Spirit to go out and to, like I said, edify the church, reach out to the lost and glorify God. That's what they're there for. If we neglect that, we neglect such a huge chunk of the word. And I would say too, guys, um, the biggest thing I hope that you take out of this is that scripture that we looked at earlier. Don't quench the spirit. Don't be afraid of the spirit. Don't, don't be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. But at the same time, we have to approach God with a healthy sense of reverence and holiness, that he's Amen. almighty God. Amen. And so my encouragement to you is, is as we close tonight, as you continue to study and seek out the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the operation of the Holy Spirit, you do it with fear and trembling. Amen. You do it with your Bible in your hand and, and prayer yes. always on your lips, with your heart looking to God, not to other teachers. Um, That's wise. And then somebody asked me real quick, resource for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I've been recommending this book like crazy. One-stop shop for systematic theology, a book called Systematic Theology by a guy named Wayne Grudem. <laughs> I heard two woots. <laughs> it's massive, it's probably 4,000 pages. It's got probably 60-something chapters. He is a unbelievably balanced teacher. He is a spirit-filled evangelical. What, what is the book you gave me on the New Apostolic Reformation? That was really interesting too. I don't have the title. I just picked that up, almost finished with it. Um, we'll, we'll post that or something. Yeah. There's a book called, uh, it's about the New Apostolic Reformation that's really, really good and balanced and healthy about the gifts of the Spirit and the abuse yep. and all the things that we kind of talked about. Just scratch the surface on tonight. Hey guys, I, I hope this was good. Let me tell you something. I am so, I am so happy that it's, that it's packed in here. Um, I think God is doing something to our church and, and I hope that we are not master theologians and we don't know everything, um, but I hope this has brought a little bit of clarity and a little bit of comfort and a little bit of knowledge to you about this. And guys, man, as time goes on, as time goes on, we need to be, uh, we need to be bold about pursuing the truth and pursuing what the Lord has for us not for just our, glorif our, our, our glorification, but, but for the Lord's and for the reaching of people that don't know him yet. And, and um, I don't know, I, I, that's about all I got. So can, let me pray for you. Uh, I'm in no hurry, Josh may be, the other ones may be. Um, but if you, wanna, if you wanna hang out, you're totally welcome to, drink some coffee or whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and, and we'll leave, okay? So let me pray for you. Uh, Lord Jesus, God, right now, Lord, Father, this night was so so put together by you, Lord. This night was so just blessed by you, God. And Father, I pray that, that in this tonight that you're blessed back by us. I pray, God, that we've honored you tonight. I pray, Father, that you, Lord, let us pursue the Holy Spirit with, with everything we have, but God, Lord, let us, let us test it by the word of God. And Lord, don't let us stifle the Spirit. Don't let us uh, uh, neglect prophecies, God. But Lord, let us just be grounded and anchored to your word, Lord, so we can just give you honor and give you praise and, and reach the world around us. Lord, you're so good, and you're so good to us, God. Bless everyone who came tonight, and, and uh, help us, Lord, just to walk closer and closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you guys so much.